0: Blog Talk Radio. Uh, let's get ready to rumble.
1: Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Oh, you can be all American. I can do it now. You can
2: do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position.
3: With your host. Chad
1: Wilson.
2: Ain't hating nothin', Chad.
1: You in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk.
0: I don't rap a discipline.
1: Listen, you all
2: need more discipline.
1: True discipline.
2: Come on, Come on get a
1: grip. Call us on the show today.
2: No, get don't get out of
1: my face with that crazy no, stuff. Steph, Steph. The number to call. 347
2: 633 9365. <laughs> if y'all got to take. y'all know
1: that! <laughs> or you can reach us on Twitter at Gridiron Studs. Come and get
2: some.
1: And now, your
2: host, Chad Wilson. Chad uh, Wilson. Uh, 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 uh.
1: Come on, you serious? You serious? All right, welcome to the Great Iron Studio. I think y'all know me by now. I'm Chad Wilson. Let's kill this intro. All right. We're on. Gridiron Stud show. Facebook Live. Here I am. Hope I'm not ashy. But nevertheless, we're on. And uh, we're going to be talking football here for the next hour on the Gridiron Stud show. A lot of stuff to get to. Probably won't get to all of it. I do want to uh, let you guys know right now that I will have a guest on the show today. And it's going to be Nick Delatore from Gator Country. Uh, Gators spring football practice has started, and um, time to talk about what's going on up there. Brand new coach once again, and um, we're going to find out what's new with Gators football. Uh, can we believe some of the hype that we're seeing in social media? Is that indeed for real? Who's looking good? Who's not looking good? Um, all those good things. So Nick De La Torre from Gator Country will be joining me here on the Gridiron Stud Show at half past the hour to talk about what's happening up there in Gainesville with the uh, Gators. So excited to talk about that. I myself am going to be heading up the road there to check out Pro Day tomorrow, um, as well as some of the practices, plus the uh, Florida Relays this weekend. And, uh, you know, Anthony Schwartz expected to run at the Florida Relays, 100 meters. He's put down some pretty good performances there. That is where he's run his all-time best of the 10-1-5. And so who knows, maybe, maybe he goes uh, sub 10 at this. And so if that's a possibility, I want to be there to uh, experience it firsthand. But what's in the news today, Um, let's talk about first at the pro level, um, what's trending. Obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. saying he's not going to step on the field for the New York Giants without an extension on his deal. Um, These folks out there think Odell Beckham is worth $20 million a season. You can say to yourself, "Well, Sammy Watkins, who does not appear to be uh, the same kind of receiver as Sammy Watkins is getting sixteen mil a year does that mean uh, Odell Beckham jr. is worth twenty million dollars and is that good logic to use folks will say that uh, you know Sammy Watkins is not worth that Kansas City paid him that, but um Does that mean because there was a bad contract put out for one guy instantly means another guy deserves that amount of money? Is that good logic for you to use? Uh, My thoughts on it, and this is just my opinion, uh, I don't recall a wide receiver leading an NFL franchise to a championship. Are they important? Sure. It's always great to have one. But, um, you know, like Emil is saying here in the comments, and he knows me well. We've talked about this. Cornell um, Beckham Jr. could possibly be the new Terrell Owens. And so by that, I mean, if he's on your team, you're probably not going to win a Super Bowl because, it, you know, they just dominate the headlines too much. And football is the ultimate team sport. And to have one guy dominating the headlines like that, needing so much attention, it just really takes away from the things that you need to focus on to – be that ultimate team and so um, is he worth all that the Los Angeles Rams are apparently one of the teams that the Giants are talking to as a, a possible trade and the Rams are just bringing on any and everyone Is this a good strategy for the Rams they had a very good year last year um, they were a couple plays away from being in the thick of things but is this the move that they need to make um, typically I don't agree with bringing in all kinds of high priced and big name free agents from everywhere. You know, um, I don't know that that's a good long-term strategy and historically what I have seen um, not only in football, but in other, in, in, you know, in other sports um, typically you can get one, maybe two runs out of it and then it falls apart because it's just too many egos in the room, too many guys, talking about what their accomplishments have been and all of those accomplishments uh, accomplishments came um, somewhere else and you tend to lack a certain amount of unity and it takes one a serious kind of coach to pull all that together. So right now, I think if the Rams are successful in getting all of these big name free agents to come together on the Rams, the only one who could coach the Rams at that point will be Phil Jackson. Yes, I know it's football, but bring Phil in they will get those guys reading books in the summertime, and maybe they can pull all that together. But um, that's a lot of personalities there. the Dhamma Kamsu, um, you know, Marcus Peters, Odell Beckham. Jeez, Aqib Taleb. How are you managing all that? And what's Sean McVay? Like, is Sean McVay just like turn 19 or something like that? Is he equipped mentally to deal with all that? And I know he's got a strong staff, but still, Vivek's the head guy. Can he deal with all of those very strong and dominant personalities? And what happens if the Rams run into some adversity? Or let me say when they run into some adversity, because I don't care who you are, you run into adversity. Can he um, handle all of those personalities exploding? I mean, you're going to be able to keep Marcus Peters and keep Talib on the field for the whole year. I think that fine list for the Rams this year is going to look sweet. It's going to be long. Let me tell you that right now. Fine is getting handed out for the Rams. But can you add an Odell Beckham to that piece there? It'll be interesting. You know, it's Los Angeles, so the fans aren't going to just show up. Um, they're not going to be jipper and jolly out in Los Angeles and just show up and be on board with this whole thing where you're trying to build your team up. Uh, they don't have that kind of patience out there in the city of Angels. They're not, they don't roll like that. So uh, if there's any place that would kind of need something like this to be done, then of course that's Los Angeles. You know, it's a big city, big town, big names. Uh, why don't you do that with your football team? Um, if you're out to entertain, sure. Putting the Damakam Su, Marcus Peters, Aqib Talib, and Odell Beckham all on the same team is uh, a reality show waiting to happen. And it is uh, Tinsel Town. So... Um, it might work from an entertainment standpoint, but is that a dynasty in the making when you pull that together? Um, I would say no. Uh, I would venture to say no. But apparently the Rams um, uh, are in the they're in the market for Odell Beckham Jr. and the Giants are willing to listen to some trade talks. Um, what what do we say about the fact that the Rams are you know the Giants are willing to trade Odell Beckham? And I don't recall him leading them. Um, to anybody's playoffs or deep into anyone's playoffs, so I, I don't know. I don't know where we, you know, where we go with that one. So we'll just have to see. Johnny Manziel stays in the news. Uh, Johnny Manziel uh, has taken. He must have hung out with Madonna one of these weekends. Madonna and Rodman. Like you're not good at this whole football thing that you're trying to do, but you certainly know how to keep your name in the news. So um, for you guys that are interested, Johnny Manziel participated in a pro day at Texas A&M, um, did very well uh, according to the reports. I love this. When you get a, you get a pro day report uh, about a quarterback and they give you like what he went, he went 28 of 30, Freaking routes on air. What, what are you people talking about? There's no pass rushing. There was no DBs out there. You want to talk to us about it? he went 28 for 30. I'm over pro days too, by the way. You know, I told you I'm heading to gamesville to go watch Pro Day tomorrow. That's so I could see it with my own eyes and uh, check out some of the guys that I've been watching for several seasons, go to Gators games. But I am so over reports from Pro Day, it's not even fun. It's very hard to get the truth. Um, You have agents out there putting propaganda out. And so you're going to hear all kinds of stuff. Um, 40-yard dash times get fudged. Uh, People mess around with those, you know, So-and-so ran a 4-3, and then you find out they really ran damn near a 4-6. Listen, it's lying season, and some of the biggest lies told every year are are during Pro Day season. So, uh, apparently, Johnny Manziel did well in this Pro Day, and uh, we need to swallow that as fans out there. He did well. Johnny's back, folks. Johnny Manziel is coming back. On that note, how about this yesterday? CBS Sports um, throwing out major clickbait yesterday and calling uh, Vince Young the biggest quarterback bust in the BCS era. Uh, the liquor store is open over there at, at CBS. This is a total ploy to just get some attention and you know, kudos to them, cause they got that. That's, uh, uh, that's what everyone was talking about yesterday was what's wrong with the people at CBS and do they have like some kind of a liquor policy there? Cause you're gonna call Vince Young the biggest bust, biggest quarterback bust? the BCS era, you know, I put together a graphic yesterday and it had pictures of nine guys that I thought could have been um, considered for that um, very humble spot that they put Vince Young in yesterday. Um, I I wonder if they handed out any award to him for that. Um, if there's any jewelry that came with it, perhaps a, a, you know, a trip to Tahiti or something. But um, Jamarcus Russell was he didn't make that list? Are you kidding me? Jake Locker, how about that guy? There's Blaine Gabbert, Brady Quinn. Anyone talking about those guys? Did they do anything in this league? Vince Young. If Vince Young won a rookie of the year. Did CBS Sports forget that? Unbelievable. But nevertheless, CBS Sports uh, throwing out that clickbait yesterday. And the only thing that could steal uh, CBS Sports' thunder Yesterday was uh, Heineken who decided to make a racist commercial, and they were stunned uh, at the backlash. Oh, oh, I could see where sliding a bear past um, several dark-complected people and having it land in the hands of someone who's lighter-skinned and saying sometimes lighter is better. Well, we didn't initially see where that would be a problem. <laughs> wow. Okay. In this day and age, you didn't see that? There. I think uh, CBS Sports was drinking Heineken. That's, that's what happened. Both of them messed up in the head. Nevertheless, hey, Netflix, uh, I mentioned this on Facebook. Netflix has a very good series out right now, uh, one of those documentary series. Did I say that right? Anyway, um, the documentary series called Dirty Money, and uh, it will really make you feel great about mankind and where we are as a society. Uh, I keep trying to tell you all, Hunger Games is uh, a real thing. It's not just a movie. We in society, especially in this country, will feast on the uh, less fortunate and uh, the lower class. And Dirty Money will help you really, really raise, uh, realize that. Um, at the behest of my uh, good friend, Abel Calamino, I watched the one on Payday Loans. Wow, what a racket, what a great deal. Uh, and to just summarize it for you like this, uh, that whole payday loan um, empire, just to give you an idea of how that works, an individual would uh, be short on some bills um, and be in an emergency. me need to go get um, a loan, a quick loan, a payday loan, um, and for instance, they go get a loan for $500 and you know, in fairly big writing on the contract that the individual would sign it would say something like, you need to pay back $650 in total. When all is said and done, you're going to pay back $65.
0: And then they'll show you
1: something else where, you know, you'll make a $75 payment every month. And if you don't really, really totally read this document and understand it, and I mean read it four or five times, um, you will get tricked. And that's what what happens to a lot of people because the payments would come out each and every month. And somewhere three or four payments into it, um, where they've been paying $75 a month, they will, uh, get, they will pay attention to the bill or get the bill and realize they still owe $650. When they call to try and find out what's going on, they were then, um, it was explained to them um, in further detail that, no, no, you needed to pay the $650 within 30 days. If you didn't pay the $650 within 30 days, well, then you paid $75 for the opportunity to extend the loan another 30 days. So your $75 payment did not go to any finance charges, didn't go back to the principal. It, ha- it did not make a debt whatsoever in the $650. As um, a matter of fact, after about three or four of those payments and you paid about $300, you still owe $650. And so, you know, what kind of folks get uh, payday loans? People that aren't flush with money, okay? Um, and you're probably up against it every month. You have a fixed income, whatever. You're treading water. And so now, when you go take a loan out for 500, then you got to pay back 650, and then you gotta um, then realize that 300 dollars was paid, but you still got to pay back 650. At some point, you're no longer treading water. Your arms got tired, and now you're underwater. And now it's not just the light bill that doesn't get paid; it's the car that doesn't get paid. Now you can't drive to work. You lose your job, and you can't pay for your house. And then you're out on the streets. And so the owner of uh, the whole payday loan empire. Uh, who amassed four hundred million dollars four hundred million dollars um, I don't want to call it a scam, but apparently you know it was not up and up because you know at the end of the day the law came, and um he was taken to court and lost you know his fortune that he had amassed um, and needed help, and he himself it seemed by the end of this you know. Um, at the end of the story, needed himself a payday loan and was completely, uh, and as, as Emil is saying here, clueless as to what he had done to people. And even when he found himself in that same situation, he needed a, he needed a payday loan, essentially, because, you know, once the government moves in uh, with all of their charges, once the federal government comes in and knocks on the door and starts running through your house, they're, they're seizing everything. They're freezing assets, everything. So he had nothing and they were crying off uh, about having he and the wife um, and his attorney, who also uh, was arrested and charged, um, they, were, they needed help from friends and family, kind of like the millions and millions of people that you policed um, with your snazzy uh, way of putting together these loans. And what, what I took from all this is here's what we've got going on more and more in our society and in this country, and that is, People feel that because something's legal, then it's right. We don't have this thing called ethics anymore. We don't have this thing called morality anymore. If it's legal, then what's wrong? And that was this guy's basic premise. What I was doing was legal. Well, geez, man. Um, Pulling the wool over people's eyes. And yes, I understand they had the opportunity to read it. But even the wording of the contract, when you did read it, was so funny and and wrapped up in a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo that the average person um, would fail to understand exactly what's happening there. so doing this to people and you know you're helping or attempting to help or you're dealing with desperate people and pulling the wool over their eyes and taking their money from them um, and putting them in a worse position than when you found them you think that's okay that's that's all right because you felt it was legal, and anytime you got to go running to uh, the Indian reservation and get their help to run your business, that tells me you kind of knew this might something might be a little funky here. But we're uh, we're in a society now where we're just trying to find loopholes and rules um, and laws and use it to exploit people um, who are in really need of in, in need of help and. Um, we don't have this morality thing going on anymore. Um, ethically, we, it, that ethics don't matter because we just need to increase our bottom line. So he essentially would take the money from people who really, really needed it and he used it to fuel his uh, car racing empire to um, get this big spacious mansion and to have all these toys um, and live a lavish lifestyle off of people who were struggling to keep their head above water. And it just disgusted me. But I think it's something all of you uh, folks should go out there and look and just kind of see how we are. Just just to get this. Every now and then, we need to just kind of see. We need to be told about ourselves. So Dirty Money uh, on Netflix. You guys need to go take a look at that. But just a reminder, Nick DeLatore from GatorCountry.com is going to be joining me here at about uh, 10 minutes, 4.30, to talk Gators football. Spring practice is open. Uh, Gators have been... Uh, through about a good five or six practices uh, out there on the field under new head coach Dan Mullen, so we'll get in there and talk uh, with Nick Delatory about how things look up there. And is there really a difference? Is is this time different? Because you know I saw the change from Muschamp to McIlwain. Now we have the change from McIlwain to Mullen. Everyone was excited about McIlwain and uh, how McIlwain did. You, you know how this? It's always the same, and it's not just Gator fans. This is every college. Uh, every college program, your team was struggling, and they fired the coach. And then you bring in a new guy. That new guy gets it, he understands it, um, and things will be different. And championship, here we come! Great times ahead. And so um, we're going to find out if that's actually real. Is there some substance to that? Um, when we get Nick De La Torre from Gator Country uh, on with us here in about 10 minutes. Um, I myself have seen some of the practices. Looks good. Uh, I must admit to the Gator fans up there. Um, there. There's some real coaching going on. Not to say that the last staff didn't do that. That's not what I'm saying. But um, I do see some some uh, development. And, and listen, and along the lines of development, I will say this. What's going on in the strength and conditioning program is different than um, anything I saw out of the last two regimes. I will comfortably say that. Um, that is definitely different. Um, there's hard, they're, they're working harder um, in that weight room under under Coach Savage, Nick Savage. Um, I definitely see that. And so there's no way around that. And if anyone's being honest, um, and I don't care if you're a fan of any of the last two head coaches and their coaching staff, if you're being honest, um, telling you right now what's going on in the strength and conditioning program under Dan Mullen um, seems to have exceeded anything that was done under both Muschamp and Mackle. And those are the facts, Jack. And you just got to deal with that. So again, Nick De, De La Torre is going to join me here and, uh, at about 4.30 to talk some, uh, Gators football. Hey, Philip, they're bigger, man. They're just, they're bigger. They're working harder. Um, no one's skirting any workouts. It's real. Um, that I will say. You seen some size on some guys. Um, they're really starting to look like an SEC football team. And, uh, I was kind of questioning that. Uh, over the last couple of years. I uh, went to the SEC championship game um, and saw them against Alabama. And if you looked on one side, you looked at Alabama, you looked at the other side of Florida, you're like, mm, I don't know. These two teams in the same conference? Look, there was a difference. And now I'm looking at these guys in just the short three months that they have uh, been working with um, Nick Savage, and uh, I see a difference. Some size getting put on. Uh, guys are getting stronger. It just it has that look. Definitely has that look to it. So we'll see. Um, The season will be here soon enough to see how all that plays out. So, yes, Alabama does indeed look crazy. Like, what the hell is that? That's a punt returner with calves like that. So um, you get all that. Um, And I definitely see the difference. So, you know, we'll see. Speaking of Jim McElwain, he's currently up at Michigan. And a story came out a couple days ago asking who's going to call the plays up there for the Michigan Wolverines. That was a story. I guess they don't have a legit, um, in terms of a title, um, offensive coordinator currently employed on the staff. Could Jim McElwain call the plays for Michigan? What irony that would be. Now, let me just say this. Um, For you Gator fans that might be listening to me right now, you may not care too much for Jim McElwain, the head coach. And um, I guess that would be, you might be justified in doing that. Um, things didn't look very good last year and um, didn't get the job done. So you're you're right in saying that. I will say this. Um, I thought he was a pretty good play caller. As a matter of fact, you can shoot me in the head over this, but I thought if um, the offensive coordinator, Doug Nussmeyer, and Jim McElwain switched places, things might have been a little bit better. Because I thought Doug Nussmeyer had head coach-type qualities about him just the way that he carried himself um, and just the way maybe he handled people was head coaches. And um, the time that I suspected Jim McElwain took, o- uh, took over some of the play calling, things looked to be smoother. Um, and we can't deny um, the success that he had when he was the offensive coordinator for Alabama. Again, some might want to discount that because it was Alabama and they just have better players than everyone. But I think he is uh, a quality play caller. That's just from that's just my opinion. But could he indeed be the play caller for Michigan? How would Gator fans feel about that? That would be um, very, very interesting. So um, that is um, I don't know if that's a possibility but I mean he is there and they're asking who's going to call the play up there in Michigan. Very, very interesting. So uh, maybe I'll slide that question past Nick Delatory as well when he comes on the show. Lots we'll to talk to Nick about. Um, Nick's made some friends up there uh, with some of the Gator players, um, uh, you know, because he's been able to take some film there. And, you know, when you film practice, um, one side wins, the other side loses. And sometimes the losing side doesn't want to be on film losing. That's a big difference with things now in this day and age um, is that, Practices are filmed, practices are reported on, um, and it's out there in the social media. I don't know what that would, what that I would feel like. You know, back in my day, every single rep that I took was reported on um, in social media because you know, I had some bad reps, some bad reps, and no, nothing like coming in after practice and uh, logging on to Twitter and um, your mentions are all blown up because a receiver beats you for a 60-yarder or you slipped and fell on a route, and, um, you know, it happened to be on video, and now it's viral, you fell on the ground covering a guy. Because isn't that what practice is for? You get to mess up in practice, but not anymore. It's a different deal. Everything is reported, it's filmed, or at least in the open practices. And, you know, with our fan base nowadays, well, it doesn't take very long. Within three practices, um, the fan base can tell you what the exact record of the team will be Uh, this season coming up. So that's all it takes. A couple of open practices where um, you don't even cover everything that's real. But that's enough for the fan base. They're ready to tell you. Looks like a 7-4 and season. Oh, I can tell from these first two practices, uh, you know, SEC championship, we're on our way. There you go. So it's uh, absolutely hilarious. And, yes, Mike White, um, you're probably getting that in full go right now Um, Is there a bunch of analysts telling you about um, what your son can and can't do on the football field? I'm there with you. I've been through it, my friend. Um, Happy days. The good thing is you get to the other side of this, but nevertheless. So we'll see. All right. Uh, I think I got Nick here on the line, so we'll try and get Nick on here with me. We'll talk about some Gators football. And uh, we'll also talk about that picture that I put up, promoing um, Nick's appearance. On the show. Nick! Hey, Chad. You put me on black. Yeah, man. You're, you're back. You're on the Gridiron Special. Show. I gotta tell you this, my friend. Um, I went trying to look for a picture to use of you to promo uh, this <laughs> show. And all I could find was very fuzzy, grainy pictures. I mean, they're clear pictures uh, on the internet of Bigfoot Then you know, what's out there <laughs> on you? There? Come on, man. You guys gotta get better.
3: I mean, sometimes you don't need your business out there on the internet. You you got my number. I I would have sent you a, a headshot. I would have sent you a a picture from the glory days when I was playing baseball. I I would have given you something. Well,
1: I will tell you this. I did see I did see a baseball picture of you. It took me a while to realize that it was you. Um but indeed oh, you played an, an old an old perfect game picture. Yeah, there it was an old perfect game picture out there of you, so um, you did play baseball. There's evidence of it out there on the internet, and apparently, um, you dabble a little bit in basketball too, based on the picture that I used oh, to promote this one. So, um, man. you catch a little on Twitter about
3: that picture. Yeah, well, it's out there now. I got <laughs> I got to good laugh out of it though. Yeah,
1: but, uh, yeah,
3: playing basketball in both shoes.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, awesome footwear in that picture too. Let me just say that. Too. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about these Gators that you've been covering. Um, mm-hmm. I alluded to this in the run-up to your appearance. Uh, I've seen the change from Muschamp to McIlwain. Now we got the change from McIlwain to Mullen. Um, I guess the Gators love to have guys with M's leading um, their hand in coaching. But I remember all the excitement about Wayne. and there's excitement for Mullen. You've been there.
3: Um, it, it's early on, but to me, and I've talked to, uh, you know, we've talked about before, with McElwain, we never were able to stay for a full practice. Um, so we were only reporting on, you know, stretching and then maybe some, you know, quick 11-on-11 11 11 stuff. But I've talked to people, um, parents, former players, who, who were able to go and watch full practices, and, and I think the biggest thing that we're seeing now is, is coaching. And, and if a rep is not done right, the drill stops. It's not like, a, okay, try, ne- try better next time. Um, and, and that would lead under McElwain to three weeks into spring camp, and we're still doing the same things wrong in practice 14 that we were in practice two. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, a, hey, man, you need to do better than that. Whereas now it's everything. Uh, Greg Knox will stop a running back drill. If, if two guys in a row don't do a rep right, because his mind is, okay, well, I didn't teach them how to do this correctly. So I see a lot of even, even just fundamentals uh, being taught and drilled in. And if, if things aren't happening the way, whether the
2: speed, the
3: tempo, um, fundamentally, if things aren't happening the way each of these position coaches want them to be happening, it gets shut down, it gets fixed. And that next rep, you better believe, will be, that standard of that expectation.
1: Nick Dillatore from GatorCountry.com joining me here on the Gridiron Stud Show. So it does, and, you know, before we even got to spring practice, um, you know, I talked about what was going on in the weight and strength and conditioning program. There seems to be um, more accountability there. So it seems, all in all, the theme early on here with Dan Mullen is um, accountability.
3: Yeah, I worked out at, um, uh, I think the accountability, that started Nick Savage. And um, I work out in it that is that has no affiliation with the University of Florida, and I would see football players. I've been in Gainesville now five years. I would see football players in the gym. My thought is, like, what are you doing here? You've got your own gym um, and, and your own program. And, and I haven't seen any of them since Nick Savage has been around. I talked to a, a former player who uh, came back, watched them work out, then sat down and talked to Savage. And he said, this is what I wanted to do the three, four years I was here. And it's not the stuff that we're doing. And I think the biggest thing, if you're a strength and conditioning guy, uh, coordinator is to show a player, an 18-year-old, if I, if I can show you that I'm going to make you better, mm-hmm. you're going to listen to me. And it doesn't matter where I come from, if I have a football playing background or if I played, you know, if I was a curler in Minnesota, if I can right. show you that in three weeks, hey, you lost three percent body fat but put on seven pounds, that's that's my resume there. That's my credential. So I think the biggest thing Savage did was to get guys to buy in to Dan Mullen's culture, to his uh, philosophy in terms of weightlifting and they're already seeing it in the terms of in such a short period of time of, Wow, I look different. Uh, my arms are bigger, my chest is bigger, I, I think I'm faster. I'm going through these workouts that were killing me two weeks ago, and, and they're not killing me anymore.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting um, that you bring that up as well because every player's first introduction to the coaching staff in the college football is the strength coach. Um, even if you come in early, you got the spring workouts, that's the guy you're going to be dealing with. If you come in in the summertime, um, he's, be- he's basically your dad um, through the summer yeah. um, for the practice to start. And it's interesting that your strength coach is the guy that's the one that needs the people to buy into everything else. After that point, Looks looks to me uh, like that's what's going to happen. Um, um, that was something that was probably next in a little bit with the class, which accountability. And, I
3: do which the, the way The way the NCAA is structured, you spend more time with the strength coach than you do your position coach.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and that was something that started um, on my way out of college football—the um, whole 20-hour rule and everything like that. So that is the case. I did find this funny and a little ironic, Nick, that um, McElwain would not allow y'all to see um, anything past the first few practice, uh, first few periods of practice. Um, they were hiding something, um, and it all—if um, everything they were hiding remained hidden, some game did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
3: that's, uh, it's not going to be hidden on Saturday when you know, the CBS cameras are there. What you've done in the spring and in the fall and when you kick the media out, everything you've done from that point, we're all going to see it on Saturday. I think we uh, a couple of, couple of guys were that cover the team and I were talking about it, and I think that is just there's some paranoia in college football um, hmm. about not wanting to give things away and this. And, and listen, the money, the contracts are so big for these coaches, I, I can understand it. What I take away from Mullen and his staff opening up all these practices is just the confidence. Like, I don't care what you're here, what you're filming. We're going to do what we need to do to be successful. And, and we might need to yell and curse. And some, some older fans might not like, you know, if Nick has a video and I'm, you know, MFing somebody for messing up, uh, you know, a drill. But that's, how, that's my coaching style, and that's what, you know, has given me success. So go ahead and film that. Do that because I know what I'm doing and confident what I'm doing is going to give me the best product on the field when it comes Saturday.
1: Yeah, well, I know opening up practices in the fashion Ed Mullen has opened them up. Certainly endears the new staff and his head coach to the media, which nowadays is almost half the battle. You guys convey the message to the fans, um, and we've seen the power of fans, especially in this last cycle here, um, you know, in college. Football. So, you know, I know that's a big help to you. So listen, one of the quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, victims of uh, what happened last year in terms of the staff and, and everything else, was quarterback Felipe press. And um, let's, let's be honest, and Frank, uh, pardon the pun, about um, the, the thoughts of, of the nation about Felipe Frank, he lost all kind of um, confidence. What are you seeing from him now? Um, is there a legit Quarterback battle there is 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 he do you think that he can legitimately be pushed for that job or is it really his what what are you seeing quarterback wise out of the Gators early on uh, I
3: I don't think it's his I, I don't think it's his in my mind and from what we've seen we've seen a lot this spring um, it's really a two guy race there's there's a pretty big gap in between uh, Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask and, and the next guys, Emery Jones and Jake Allen. There's, there's a definite clear gap between uh, the second string and then third and fourth. Um, and yeah, a- absolutely. This staff came in, and they've said multiple times to us, you know, we didn't. there were no preconceived notions with us. We didn't watch a ton of film on what they had did um, before because it was inconsequential to us. We, we, we didn't know what they were being asked to do. Um, and we're not going to be asking them to do what the last coaching staff was. So I think right now as guys are earning reps and whether that's Kyle Trask or Felipe Franks right now, those are the two guys standing out. Um, To me, it's, it's, it's interesting because Franks has a big, you know, the big arm and Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach yesterday said, you know, he had like a 75 yard completion in practice and he joked, it would take me, you know, two passes to to throw the ball that far. Um, But, how many how many 75 yard plays are you drawing up during the game, Kyle Trask? Only is, in Tennessee with seconds. Yeah, only when you're playing Tennessee. Um, but Kyle Trask is is significantly more accurate um, than, than Frank's, But the problem is that he had last year is he, he didn't really have the voice or the, maybe the confidence to speak up. When you're talking about quarterback, you need you're leading 10 other guys. It doesn't matter if. You're, you know, the eighth best player. You're the quarterback. You're the one that when you get into a huddle, ten pairs of eyes are looking at you, and you have to have that voice. You have to be able to lead people, and that's what they were trying to get out of Kyle Trask last year, and I think that was the main reason why Franks kind of took the starter role, and then obviously Trask had the foot surgery um, and and missed the year due to injury. Uh, But I, I would say absolutely there's a chance that Kyle Trask could be the Florida Gators' starting quarterback um, when they opened up at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. And right now it's it's between those two, him and Franks.
1: Yeah, very interesting. I do interesting.
3: think Franks got, got, got more blame than he needed last year. Yes, he struggled, but he was a redshirt freshman. Um, and, and I don't think the coaches were asking him to do things, um, you know, that were in his best interest. I don't think they were putting him in a position to be successful.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, we do know this about Dan Mullen offense. Is that uh, it's heavy with quarterback runs? From what you've been mm-hmm. able to see so far, which one of those two quarterbacks seems better equipped to handle that part of the offense, running the ball?
3: Neither of them are guys you would ask to run the ball like a Tim Tebow or like a Dak Prescott. Um, mm-hmm. They're both guys, and you saw Felipe's run against Texas A&M last year. Uh, almost at times, looks like a baby giraffe, you know, learning how to you know stand, but. But it yeah. he ran for 50 yards, right? Um, neither guy. I would say I'm. I'm gonna, you know, game plan you to run 25 times. You know, 25 times today. But I would feel comfortable in asking them to run and then trusting that if a play broke down, they'd be able to run. Um, I go back and because I have the same thought as you. Is that every time he's been successful, he's had that running quarterback. And I go back to their first year when they had Chris Leak and and they tried to fit Chris Leak into that Alex Smith role that Alex Smith yeah. mold that they had, and it wasn't working. And then they right. changed it before the Georgia week and had them stop trying to run those things it, and built in some quarterback runs and other things like that to stop right. that. And I think you'll see more of that in this first year until Mullen gets that guy that can run the ball, um, like an Alex Smith, Dak Prescott, Tim Tebow. Yeah, well,
1: we can also remember, too, that uh, you had Chris Lee but then you also had Tim Tebow that would come in and do those things. Yeah. Is there a chance that – um, Emory Jones could fill such a role for the Gators this year, not, not built like Tim Tebow, um, but obviously right. I'm the best of that group of quarterbacks with the ball in his hand running it. Is there a chance we could see that?
3: Certainly, and, and I, I, I've tried not to be harsh um, when, when talking about or writing about Emory, uh, because he's 17, 18 years old. He should still be in high school. He's, he's only gone through six college practices, Um, But right now, I I don't see the accuracy from him, and I think that comes from footwork. Um, You know, you can say it's one thing or another, but I think everything when you're talking about quarterbacks boils down to to your footwork and your mechanics. And and that's something you've got two great quarterback coaches that can help you. But from what we have seen with him running the ball, yeah, certainly. You you can take advantage of of, of his feet, and uh, you just have to then get into a situation where, uh, every time he comes in into the game are we showing our hands you know okay well 14s in the game so they're running the ball uh right. can't he be an effective enough passer where he doesn't come in for you know gets 40 snaps this year and he runs the ball 39 times
1: yeah um, and, you know keep keep the uh keep the defenses honest, certainly um megdelatori from gatorcountry.com joining us here on the gridiron Stud show um your your wide receiver situation um, would I be wrong mm. in saying that Van Jefferson, um, Trayvon Grimes, thus far have looked like the two best wide receivers in practice. Would I be incorrect in saying?
3: That? No, no. I think uh, Van Jefferson. It, it maybe it maybe took me one the first full practice we were able to watch to say, hey, this, this is the Florida's best best wide receiver. There's there's no. I, Tyree Cleveland got hurt early on, but I've seen Tyree for two years now. Um, Van Jefferson is the best receiver Florida has. I think Trayvon started a little slow, but I think he's done really well since the first two practices is realize that he is physically gifted and he's mm-hmm. been able to use that size. He has, he, when you see him in person, um, just physically imposing tall, big, right. strong, I think he's finally using that size to get separation of the line. And also, you know, uh, we talk about it as like a rebounding, uh, as the analogy, mm-hmm. He's going up yep. and he's being able to box out cornerbacks um, for those contested passes, which uh, Billy Gonzalez has really been hammering in. Is, you're a receiver. You should catch the ball when you're open. Now you can start catching more of those 50-50 balls than, you know, the cornerback the is able to bat down. You need to start coming down with those, and that's where I really see him excelling. But, yeah, I would say those two right now um, are, are, are the class
1: of, of, of that position group. Well, that's the good news that you actually have that on campus and in the program. The bad news is that neither one of these guys will be eligible to play this year. What, uh, if, if anything new, do you have on that situation? And can you kind of forecast for us um, the chances of one or both of these guys being on the field for Florida this season? Uh,
3: so I think quickly I can, I can talk about Trayvon Moore. It's, that rule, the, the waiver he's looking for, the, the waiver that you'd be able to play immediately due to an uh, illness in the family, and that's why you transferred, is one of the most sporadically least consistent uh, rulings the you know, ever-inconsistent NCAA makes. Yeah. So with him, with him, you have to make a very compelling case um, to the NCAA, and I don't know how long that process will take. Um, right. But Van Jefferson... They, Michigan kind of, so there's six different kids that transferred that are all going to be making the same case. And the case is basically that Ole Miss, during our recruiting process, knew the depth of what they had done, knew yeah. how much trouble they were in, and misled us into thinking it wouldn't be as bad as it was. That's going to be essentially their argument. You only really get one chance to make your case in this waiver. Michigan went ahead and, and filed all of their paperwork and, and has sent that to Ole Miss, uh, to the NCAA, who then sent it to Ole Miss. So now uh, – and then Ole Miss has 10 days, 10 business days, to respond to the NCAA. Mm-hmm. It's only the spring. There's, there's seven months, five months, however long it is, until the next game. Florida and the, those other schools now can just sit back and wait because it will all be public records. Okay, here's the case that Michigan and Shea Patterson said. Here's what the mm-hmm. NCAA said based on what they put down, and here's what Ole Miss said, that's going to help right. us build our case. So in the case of Van Jefferson in Florida, they're not even going to do anything or file anything until until Michigan comes back and, and, and that case is settled. So until you see some breaking news about Shea Patterson and, and his eligibility with Michigan, um, Florida's in a standstill kind of a holding pattern Um, because Michigan kind of put themselves out there. So it makes sense in Florida's Florida's case to sit back and wait.
1: Um, I'm getting the sense that um, you feel a little bit more confident about Jefferson being available over Grimes. Am I right or wrong? Yeah,
3: Yeah, I I think that's safe to say. Just because of the inconsistency and um, not to get into what Trayvon's situation was, but the NCAA can easily come back and say, Listen, you're from Broward County. You could have gone to FAU, FIU, Miami, UCF, USF. These are all closer schools, and yeah, Gainesville's significantly closer than Columbus. Um, mm-hmm. But you're you're selling you're selling his in his situation. you have to sell the NCAA on this was not a football decision. This was a family and a family health situation. So the question is, okay, well then why Gainesville? Gainesville's five five and a half hours away.
1: Um so well, it's that um Trayvon did reach out to Miami and um, right. their answer it was was no in basically. Um so that mm-hmm. should help it. Yeah,
3: absolutely. But then if I then you have to maybe prove that to the NCAA in this case. And I think that's that's why maybe part of the reason why this is always or always ruled seeming it seeming seemingly random the way that these rulings are. T.J. McCoy um, had to sit out of the year. His dad had cancer. Um, they mm. live in Jacksonville and he transferred from North Carolina to come, or NC State to come back down and he had to sit out of the year. Um, and his dad was still going through cancer during the year that he was sitting out. So I think that's you know, can go, goes to show just how inconsistent the NCAA is when it comes to um, when it comes to ruling on this. Yeah, imagine I, us. I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel that all six of the guys I will miss have a very strong case. Um, and, and just based on having gone through what Trayvon Grimes is going through and, and reporting on and dealing with the NCAA through these, I would say that's even more more of a coin flip, uh, if anything, where I, I would expect Van Jefferson
1: to be able to be uh, to be able to play. Jumping over to the defensive side of the ball, whole entire brand new system, it's a complete departure. Um, schematically from what the Gators have done under the last two coaches early on here. How has it looked specifically in the trenches, which is where um, I think we should be the most concerned when you make a change like this? The secondary is the secondary. The biggest change um, schematically is what's happening up front. How have the Gators looked personnel-wise in handling the change?
3: Yeah, personnel-wise, I think it'll change from what we're seeing. Right now, you know, the, up front you're looking at starting C.C. Jefferson is really standing up. It's more of that buck roll um, that, you know, Muschamp had that uh, Fowler and Powell and those guys played in. Um, and that's kind of where C.C. Jefferson's playing. And behind him is Ja'Kai Polite, who I think has been, in my, in my view, the most impressive defensive lineman this spring. Um, one of those guys that you can tell has, his body has changed in, in the short time he's been with Nick Savage. And then after that, um, inside is Luke Ankrum and um, Kerry Clark with Jabari Zuniga starting. That's your front four. If, and to me, no disrespect to anybody, but if, to me, if those four star and five star guys that you got Elijah Conliff, T.J. Slayton, uh, if, if they're not starting over Kerry Clark and Luke Ankrum, then you're you're in a you're in a you're in a world of hurt because Luke Ankrum and Kerry Clark were guys who are their system, their program guys. I, I remember watching Conliff and Slayton and thinking these are program difference makers. These are guys that will play in, in, a, in a role as a freshman, but you're looking for them to push as for starters, starting spots, uh, as sophomores. And, and I think it's early now, um, but I, I'd be looking for those two guys to maybe step in and if not start right away, you know, by the end of the year, be, be your starters. Uh, and then linebacker really is where the biggest shakeup is. Voshan Joseph and David Reese are starting – Traditional linebackers, and now you're talking about that other buck being a linebacker that I included with the defensive line.
0: Uh, it is
3: nice to see C.C. Jefferson being used correctly. It only took four years for the coach to say, "Hey, maybe he shouldn't. Maybe he shouldn't play defensive tackle. <laughs> maybe he shouldn't play with his hand in the ground. Maybe just let him go and get after the quarterback, as we've does well."
1: Well, I don't know that him standing up playing linebacker in the two previous. Um, regimes and schemes would have been the best thing for him. So mm-hmm. uh, this is a blessing for him. Um, who've, been, who've been some of the eye catchers for you on the defensive side of the ball um, under this new regime? Who does it look like is going to really, really benefit from, from this scheme change outside of someone like Assisi?
3: Yeah, I think, I think caught likes another one that, that will really benefit from it. And then, uh, if, we, if I look at it, too, uh, I think Chauncey Gardner will benefit because he was he was not he was playing out of position last year. He shouldn't have been uh, a, a safety, and, and I think he's playing more. It's almost like a rover, a, a mix between safety, linebacker, nickel that they have. Mm-hmm. In. We called it uh, a rover when I was in high school. They, I think they're calling it their star position. Um, but okay. it kind of lets him move around the field and, and just puts him in positions to make a play. We, we've seen he can get his hands on the ball. Um, and it kind of just allows him to roam the field a little bit and put himself in position to, to make a play. Uh, at cornerback, there's uh, Marco and C.J. Henderson have, have locked down two spots. I think Trey Dean has already cemented himself as that cornerback, um, yeah. you know, when one of the when one of the two stars has to come off the field. And we're yeah. talking about an early enrollee kid, freshman, um, who should be in high school. And he's he's really turned uh, my head and got my attention Early on mm-hmm. in the spring.
1: Yeah, you can see some of that in him in the um, in in you know some of the Under Armour game practices. Right. Uh, certainly a lot of a lot of confidence, and it's good for the Gators to have some depth at that position. Um, something that's been a bit of an issue for them over the last few years, so it's it's good to see that. New defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham, mm. has a reputation of being a big blitzer. I mean, he'll bring parents out the stands. If they pass that rule, he'd be the first guy to do it. <laughs> Have you seen that from him in these practices? Have you seen him living up to that reputation as a big blitzer? Yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: I'm, I'm talking about bringing so many people that TJ Slayton is dropping back into coverage because we're bringing all of our linebackers and a cornerback, so we need somebody to cover the middle of the field, and why not put someone who's six four, three hundred, you know, a, a biscuit away from four hundred pounds? Put him in the middle of the field. At least oh, he takes a bunch of space. Yeah, and, and, like, and like you said, if he gets a ball, if he gets his hands on the ball, who's who's what? How short is the line to go ahead and try to tackle him? Yeah, I'm not sure what your approach is
1: to that. If uh, TJ gets his hands on one and he's running full speed with it, and even even with the dimensions that you described, TJ can run. Um. So yeah. that's a mess if he ends up with a ball on his hip. I pray for anyone on the offensive side of the ball if that were to
3: happen. Yeah. No, thank you. But I, you definitely see. Um. You know, I would say almost more getting back to like a must champ, uh, Dan Quinn kind of defense where you've got you have you have new blitzers every game. You're like, oh, I haven't seen a blitz from from that formation, or I haven't seen, or I saw a blitz from that formation last week, and it came from a completely different side of the field this week. Kind of exotic things. You're putting different players on the field and, and getting give, giving the offense different looks. Uh, I think it maybe got a little vanilla at times uh, the past two years, but you're definitely going to see a lot of exotic blitzing packages and a lot of blitzing. Um, and I think that's also just a product of, of the 3-4, maybe why he likes the 3-4, because it allows mm-hmm. him to do things like that.
1: Yeah, a lot more moving parts. Nick DeLatorre from Gator Country joining us here on the Gridiron Stud show. So it sounds like there's excitement coming ahead on both sides of the ball. Um, Flipping back over to offense, he um, lost the entire year last year. Um, He sure would have been a help. He and um, the nine other guys or eight other guys that got into trouble last year. Um, It would have been great to have him. But he's back now. um, And in a run-heavy offense, um, would I be wrong if I didn't expect a ton out of Jordan Scarlett this year, despite the fact that there are a number of backs who can carry the load.
3: Yeah, I think that's the, the, the deepest, most loaded position on the on, on the field for Florida is that running back spot. But I still think uh, – I, I said it when Jordan Scarlett was a freshman and Kelvin Taylor was on campus running for 1,000 yards, that Jordan Scarlett's the best running back uh, that they have. and I, I still think he is. I thought he was, had a big year last year, if not, you know, for the suspension and probably would be gone and, you know – getting ready for pro day tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. He's not for suspension. He's your starter right now. After him is LaMichael P. Ryan. Obviously, Malik Davis is, is coming off knee surgery. He's not out there. Uh, but yeah. I think Damian Pierce, the, the freshman early enrollee, is stepping into that third role. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Malik is by the time the fall comes. But right now, Damian Pierce looks to be a guy that might be trying to reps away from LaMichael P. Ryan um, you know, in that second spot. And already, mm-hmm. in my mind, surpassing – Darius Lemons and, and Iverson Clement, another early enrollee. Um, Iverson and, and Lemons are really being used as more of pass catchers out of the backfield. Um, that's kind of their strength more so than P. Ryan and Scarlett. I think Scarlett wins this starting job. And depending on how deep, um, I'm not sure, you know, the kind of rotation that this coaching staff will have, if if they're comfortable mm-hmm. with giving Scarlett 25 carries and, you know, splitting 10 carries between the next three, uh, or if they want to have a more, even split, but I think if Jordan Scarlett gets carried, I, I, I would not be surprised to see him pass a thousand yards rushing.
1: Yeah, um, so look, things things sound good. Um, offensively, I won't need to go to the bathroom during the offensive uh, possessions this year. <laughs> you know, none of this is going to work well without the guys in the trenches, and that's been a big problem um, for the Florida Gators since, um, you right. know, I've I since I've been interested like that in Florida football. So mm-hmm. uh, tell us, is it, is, there, is it any different, or is that going to be an issue this year?
3: Well, it's it's, it's really the same guys. Um, you're, you're looking at the same starting five. I think Brett Heggie right now is not uh, he's not participating, but I think he's one of your starting guys. So I think maybe it comes down to scheme, and maybe maybe these guys were talented um, all along, and, and the scheme was bad or the coaching was bad. I think John Hevesy, um, is a heck of a coach uh, mm-hmm. when it comes down to technique, and, and, and in the short time I've been able to watch him, I uh, I was growing up a, a fan of Florida. Last time he was here, um, so I've watched him and his offensive lines for a while. But maybe it, maybe it's just the scheme. Maybe these guys are good. We're looking at you know five star, high four star guys uh, all across the line, and uh, maybe it's just the coaching staff. But you're looking at the same starters. You know, Fred Johnson, um, T.J. McCoy's back. Martez Ivey's played a little bit of both of left tackle and left guard. Uh, He switched last year. Uh, He's been playing mostly left tackle now. It'll be interesting to see if that changes at all. Um, But you're right. It it starts up front, and uh, it's the same guy. So I'm I'm hesitant to say it's going to be much better because I've seen these guys now for two, some of them, going into four years in in the case of Martez Ivey.
1: Um, I think the biggest thing, then, is trying to build some kind of depth in that line, because right. you know, it's not to me like any kind of injury there, and there, there's going to be some
3: issues. Yeah, and Florida's got some guys behind. I think Nick Buchanan, the biggest, is probably the biggest move. He's the, he's a guy who hasn't been able to um, working at center now. Um, I think it's harder to play center than it is to play guard, but they they've moved him to center. And then there's some other guys, um, Delance, who was a transfer. He had to sit out last year. Uh, T.J. Moore, who was a freshman last year. Um, and then, uh, I forget, I think it's Bligh, Blyche. I always say it incorrectly. Who's an early enrollee on campus. I think he, he can, he can push for playing time too, uh, uh, you know, at a tackling spot, which would be maybe moving Marquez into left guard if you're having issues there and, and putting bleich out, out of the tackling spot. So I think there, there will be more depth and there's guys that are still going to, you know, come onto campus. It's it's tough to play that spot as a freshman. Um, but I think there will be depth and I think the biggest thing i will want to see from them is the scheme and what they're asked to do because there there was a lot of more a lot more deep passes built into this offense. I'm watching receivers doing you know deep posts flags goes and, and all this stuff where yeah, mm-hmm. there's the element of the quarterback run and, and and the element of swing passes and stuff like that. but this offense has built in deep shots and and is, is this a line that can hold up for a five, seven-step drop, or, you know, can give Felipe or Kyle Trask four or five seconds to let a play develop and, and get a, a pass off clearly.
1: Yeah, it's going to be different to see if that could happen. The well, last thing I want to ask you, Nick, is about the energy level and the buzz around the program. Um, you know, folks, it doesn't matter, even though there's a brand new coach, folks always want to look ahead to the future. So um, we've had a spring break. We've got spring practices going on. That means, um, you know, recruits showing up on campus. What's the feel that you're getting um, out of the fan base that's been able to attend the open practices and then kind of what you're hearing or feeling from recruits that have been showing up to see some of the practices?
3: Yeah, the vibe around practice is is much different. And, you know, when you're talking about starting practice with jumping jacks while guys spell out swamp um, versus Mm -hmm. one-on-one Oklahoma drill, you're setting a tone for practice when the first thing you're doing at practice is, hey, you're going to wind up a foot away from this guy and you're going to smash your heads together. That's, uh, just that starts practice off differently. And then I think the built-in relationships that Gonzalez, Hevesy, and Dan Moen have with probably the greatest stretch of Florida football that isn't so far removed that even kids who are visiting recruits that are sophomores and juniors in high school, they remember Tim Tebow. They remember Percy Harvin. Now Percy Harvin's sitting there on the sideline, and I'm going to watch a practice. Percy Harvin's talking to me. Major Wright's coming back, and he's talking to me. And these guys that made Florida football so great, um, you know, are are here on the sideline, and they have a relationship, and they can tell me about Coach G or, or tell me about what does Hemesy do and how did he help me as a player. I think that has been the biggest thing for recruiting just outside of the entire um, – just outside of the, the entire – atmosphere and practice being you
1: know uh, heightened this year right right um well yeah that's the kind of feel that I've been getting uh, but I've been trying very hard to compare what I'm hearing now and try to remember back to what I was hearing in- first year yeah yeah I, uh, I
3: think I think the biggest thing is is that when you're you know when you're a football coach that hasn't lost the game yet everyone loves what you say everyone loves you know I could, win dogs. I, 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 could win, I could win games with Clarabelle as my quarterback. Everyone loved that because Jim McElwain hadn't lost a football game yet, so it sounds great. And, and for sure, you know, even at FSU, I'm sure FSU fans are in love with everything Willie Taggart's doing right now because he hasn't lost a football game yet. So the, the biggest thing is being able to turn that into a great recruiting class and then being able to turn that into winning games on the football field. The last coaching coach staff wasn't able to turn – that you know first year momentum into wins and right now Dan Bowen's enjoying that honeymoon phase and they're getting you know the number one and number two running backs on campus you know in the same week and they've got everyone everyone wants to come and see what they're doing and what they're building and how they're changing things and you just have to turn that momentum into something when it comes time for
1: games to start
3: yeah absolutely and that
1: means this fall well nick uh I don't know if you have any um, thoughts of ever joining in in those circle of life drills in the beginning of practice, but I'm trying to think how much money I'd be willing to pay to see you jump into one
3: of those. Uh, it would depend on who I'm lining up against. If it's uh, one of my media members, you know, you might not have to pay as much. If I'm having to jump in uh, <laughs> against uh, a Division One scholarship
1: athlete, then,
3: you know, we might have to call Quincy and get a loan.
1: Man, I, I think I'd still pay good money to see maybe you and Zach in a circle of life. I, I might want to pay some good money to see that. So um, I'm gonna, while I'm up there, because I'm coming up there this week, I'm going to see if I can organize that. So get in the weight room, my friend.
3: Me and Zach, no problem.
1: Oh, baby. All right. Well, listen, man, Nick, I appreciate you filming on. Um, and joining me here and talking about Gators football, it sounds like there's a lot of excitement and things to, for people to look forward to Coming up uh, this fall and the rest of this spring. So, like I said, I'll be up there to see it with my own two eyeballs. Thanks for coming on and talking about it all Absolutely. here. With us.
3: appreciate y'all. Uh, see you this weekend, man.
1: All right, no problem. Nick DeLatori from uh, GatorCountry.com joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Um, yeah, listen, Nick and Nick pointed it out. Everyone's excited when a brand new coach comes. Um, he's undefeated right now. Um, everything that he says is the gospel. I've seen a couple of coaching changes, seen it with my own school at Miami, um, and obviously have gone through this. This is the second time I'm going through this now with, uh, with, with the Florida Gators. And um, you can do no wrong so you start getting on that football field and things turn the other way. Having said that, um, I am feeling a bit of a different um, – I don't want to say positive because everyone's positive. But there's a different vibe that I'm getting with Dan Mullen uh, and what coaching staff is doing and some of the things that they are implementing at Florida that just feels different than uh, the Jim McElwain era. So we'll see exactly where that goes um, and what that actually turns in, translates into um, come the fall in terms of wins and losses. But I think as of right now, Florida Gator fans should be excited about um, – the future uh, under Dan Mullen. He's brought some energy, he's brought some accountability, the strength and conditioning program, which is a big thing that people don't pay attention to when you're talking about your your college football program. And oftentimes when they're talking about who's gonna be the next head coach, I don't really ever hear that mentioned, but the strength and conditioning is a huge part of uh, your success everywhere I've ever been. um, And we've had some success. The strength and conditioning has been uh, a big part of that success. And I'm talking um, high school and college football. If you have that part of it taken care of, um, you tend to succeed a whole lot more than you fail. And so um, those very important factors um, seem to be under control. Accountability um, and energy both seem to be there at Florida. And, and uh, Nick Delatori has kind of backed that up for me here in the answers that he's given to the questions that we've asked. So um, again, if you're a Florida Gator fan, I guess um, you should be, you should be excited about what's going on up there in Florida. And then of course I'm going to be back on next week after I'm up there and I've seen it with my own two eyes. And um, you know, then I could kind of probably draw some comparisons just from my own experience um, as to what things were like on the McIlwain um, and what they seem to be like under Mullen. And I'm careful not to, um, you know, Bang on the McIlwain era. Um, Listen, people could, you know, give all their reasons as to how and why he was able to go to the SEC championship game uh, twice. He did it with much champs players, so on and so forth. Well, you know, he got there. So um, he and the staff do deserve some credit for that. But, of course, that's just not going to be enough for this particular program that has uh, experienced several national championships and a good amount of success. And so something more was needed. And I'm going to see um, if that is uh, in the works under Dan Mullen. Will you now get to the SEC championship game and, and win it? And getting to the SEC championship game now for the Florida Gators is going to be harder now than it ever was for Jim McElwain or for Will Muschamp in those last few years. I mean, Georgia is Alabama at this point, And Alabama has been the most dominant program for the last decade in college football, and there they were, toe-to-toe, going to overtime with Alabama. So um, for all of the effort that, you know, is putting out there right now, they do have a juggernaut in the East that they're going to have to deal with. Georgia has gotten themselves to the championship game. They're hungry to go back. And they killed it on the recruiting trail. So um, Florida's got um, that big roadblock just to get to the SEC championship game. So we'll have to see how all that Plays out. All right. Well, that's going to do us here. Do it for us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Happy to have my guest Nick Delator Delatorre De from Gator Country come on and um, answer some very important questions for us. I want to thank all of you guys for joining me here on the show. Um, if you got a chance, man, you got Netflix. If you're looking at Netflix and chill, Dirty Money. Go check out that document. Uh, the documentaries there on uh, documentaries. What, what's wrong with me? Documentaries. What's got? I, I miss early CTE or some kind of something. Um, the documentaries on um, Dirty Money. I think you guys might enjoy that just to see how um, people just try to fleece, just really try to rip money. What little money is in the wallet of uh, the lower class? Just really watch how people will feast on them. Real Life Hunger Games. Go check that out. Dirty Money is the uh, series on Netflix. Go check that out. All right. I'm gone. I'll be back next week. Thank you all for watching. And again, please share this video. Share this video if you like this video. You like this interview. Share this, um, and let's get some more eyeballs on it. Thank you all for watching. See you next time. Good Ironside Show. Make. Um, typically, I don't agree with bringing in all kinds of high-priced and big-name free agents from everywhere. You know? um, I don't know that that's a good long-term strategy. And Historically, what I have seen, uh, not only in football but in other, in, in, you know, in other sports, um, typically you can get one, maybe two runs out of it and then it falls apart because there's just too many egos in the room. Too many guys talking about what their accomplishments have been and all of those accomplishments, uh, accomplishments came um, somewhere else, and you tend to lack a certain amount of unity, and it takes one a serious kind of coach to pull all that together. So right now, I think if the Rams are successful in getting all of these big-name free agents to come together on the Rams, the only one who could coach the Rams at that point will be Bill Jackson. Yes, I know it's football, but bring Billy. You'll get those guys reading books in the summertime, and maybe they can pull all that together. But um, that's a lot of personalities there: Davante Suh, you know, Marcus Peters, Odell Beckham, jeez, Aki Talib. Are you managing all that? And what's Sean McVay like? Is Sean McVay is like turn 19 or something like that. Is he equipped mentally to? Do you know what all that? I know he's got a strong staff, but still, he's the head guy. Can he deal with all of those very strong and dominant personalities? And what happens if the Rams run into some adversity? Or let me say when they run into some adversity, because I don't care who you are, you run into adversity. Can he um, handle all of those personalities exploding? I mean, you're going to be able to keep Marcus Peters and keep to leave on the field for the whole year. I think that finalist for the Rams this year is going to look sweet. It's going to be long. I'm going to tell you that right now. Fine getting handed out for the Rams. But can you add an Odell Beckham to that piece there? It'll be interesting. You know, it's Los Angeles, so the fans aren't going to just show up. Um, they're not going to be jiffer and jolly out in Los Angeles and just show up and be on board with this whole thing where you're trying to build your team up. Uh, They don't have that kind of patience out there in the city of Angels. They don't roll like that. So um, if there's any place that would kind of need something like this to be done, then, of course, that's Los Angeles. You know, it's a big city, big town, big names. Uh, Why don't you do that with your football team? Um, If you're out to entertain, sure. Putting the Dominic Kamsu, Marcus Peters, Aqib Talib, and Odell Beckham all on the same team is uh, a reality show waiting to happen. And it is. Uh, Tinseltown, so um, it might work from an entertainment standpoint. But is that a dynasty in the making when you pull that together? Um, I would say no. Uh, I would venture to say no. But apparently the Rams uh, are in the they're in the market for Odell Beckham Jr. and the Giants are willing to listen to some trade talks. Um, what what do we say about the fact that the Rams are you know the Giants are willing to trade Odell? Beckham? I don't recall him leading them um, to anybody's playoffs or deep into anyone's playoffs. So I, I don't know. I don't know where we, you know, where we go with that one. So we'll just have to see. Johnny Manziel, stayed in the news. Um, Johnny Manziel uh, has taken. He must have hung out with Madonna one of these weekends. It's Madonna and Rodman. Like you're not good at this whole football thing that you're trying to do, but you certainly know how to keep. the job of the writer is not
4: to supply the ideas it is to be patient enough to find the ideas wow. david and goliath is a concept we all know
1: an arrogant big dude who thinks he's fighting a sword fight and david changed the rules but then i
5: Let's get into this, let's get this done. Let's get you sorted to the best live feed ever. Okay, so the first thing you wanna do is go down to your Chrome and make sure you have a few things first. We'll start off by getting OBS broadcaster software. Now, this is a free download. It's completely free to use this software. There's no need to do anything other than click download and it should realise and pick up what computer you're already using. So whatever you're using, it should be pretty easy. Just hit that download button. So once you've got that installed, go right ahead and minimise that screen. Locate it on your computer. Mine is in my applications because I am using a Mac, of course. And you're going to want to just double-click that. Let that load up. Now, once that's loaded, this is the first thing you'll see. So, my scene is called Facebook Live. It's meant to be Facebook, but I've clearly made an error right there. That's fine. So, you'll see here there's scenes, sources, and mix up. What you'll need to do is first add your video capture device. So, this will be me in the sense. I don't really care too much about what I call these, especially for the extent of this video. So I'm just going to click OK and make sure that it's reading my device just fine. You can preset this to what you need it to be, but I tend to leave it on this because I find, especially for Facebook, it works the best. The next thing you want to do is... Hello, you can see me there. Um, The next thing you want to do is click Use Buffering. I really like this because what it tends to do is Say, for example, you are running a slow internet connection and your Facebook Live is running, it'll hold on to what you say and then repeat it once your internet gets better. So it's not going to cut out, and the viewers are still going to be able to clearly see what it is that you are saying. So, next, you want to hit that OK button, stretch it out to where you want it. Now, usually, I don't have this in the background. As you can see, that's where my bunnies live. And this is usually all you can see from here. So first, I want to show you how to edit this. What you want to do is right-click on your video capture. And I'm sorry that I'm not looking at you guys. I need to look at my computer fix. Um, so what you want to do is go and filters. So once you're in here, what you want to do is hit the effects and click crop path so click create that and then you can move it say you don't want so much of the left side or you don't want so much of the right side so if you say go into this like this it will create that distortion here which you don't need if you're not trying to hide that area and this is my mind just the other side. so now what I'm going to do is dropped all the way through there and I don't want any of that right side of the screen to show now this is obviously going to distort my image in the sense that now it's making it into a square so if you don't want a square video to be uploaded and you want to fill the whole screen all you have to do is well one of two things so I like to take it away from the bottom because obviously my whole head is going to get cut out otherwise So you guys don't need to see that I like showing a bit of that candle and then do the same to the top. See how that kind of gives it a somewhat better screen cross in the sense that it's a more like wide angle rather than a square cut. Now I'm gonna close this and see here, it's already minimized it for me. Then I'm just going to stretch it out to what I need it to be. So there you have it. I'm quite happy with that and you can do whatever you like. Then another thing I love about this is that go back into that and you can edit the color and all the rest of it. So if you want to turn up the brightness, you can go right ahead and do that. And I'm very bright right now, Um, but I tend to use the gamma. I don't know, I feel like it works a bit better and slight, get a brightness and then you can create contrast, you can decrease. I know why you decrease because it kind of just goes dark and gray um but yes yeah, so you can fiddle around with that i'm just going to leave it at this for now another thing you can do is pop on a color so to correct your color um so as you can see over here it's a bit green so you can say for example add a blue and if you go blue like this this is how it looks so that's not what you want at all and then i am going to just Make it really light, almost white as you can see there. But see how that makes it a bit bluer. And if you go down to the pinks and the reds, that makes it a bit warmer as well. So you can play around with that until you get it right. So I'm just going to leave it at this at the moment. And close that up. This just means that whatever you see on here, you will like the viewers will be able to see it. Then what you want to do is add a audio input device, so just right-click right there and add audio input capture. So you're just gonna click through there and you can choose whatever mic you have, if you have a mic uh, or just click in built-in microphone for now. So once that's done, people can hear you. So as soon as you've got that done, then the next step you wanna take is if you, especially if you have a business or website that you're trying to promote, While you're going live, you can hop back on the internet. Now, this website is going to allow you to create an overlay. So, what you're going to need is a PNG file. And if you do know how to use Photoshop, by all means, go right ahead and do that. If not, and if you don't Photoshop, all you need to do is pop in this address, which is in the description box, and it's going to bring you to this lovely website. What you'll land on is this. Now you need to click create canvas, choose this width and height, as you see here, copy it exactly and make sure this is transparent. Then you're going to create that canvas. Now once that's done creating a canvas for you, the next thing you want to do is create things on top of overlay. So, let's use this as an example. I'm gonna add subscribe to YouTube. This is what I wrote previously. This is something that I prepared earlier. And I'm gonna add that right here. Now the way to do that is you can change what it is that you want it to look like. The stroke is basically that black border around the word. And I've selected white. And you can change it to any size. You can make it huge, you can make it little, you can make it whatever you like. So. Say for example, I'm happy with this and I want this to be the way it is right now, like that. What I'm gonna do is hit apply. Once you have hit apply, you cannot go back and edit that. You can click the undo button and start that process again. But once you've done that, that is just about it. Now let's say I'm happy with this and I'm not gonna add anything more. I'm gonna hit save and that is just going to allow me to save it onto my computer as you can see here it is saving as a png which is exactly what you want now i know that's going to be in my download file so i can go right ahead and click that out i'm going to go back and minimize this i want this to show again and then i'm going to add another layer so if you can think of this as like a tent where you build layers on top of your screen This is the background and then you're going to add an image. So my image, I know where it is already and I'm going to go right ahead and upload it. So if I just go into downloads, it's the last thing that I downloaded and I'm going to click open. See up there, that's just showing me an example of what it's going to look like and then I'm going to see it right there on top. Now, sometimes you won't be able to see it and you'll be like, Why isn't this working? All you need to do is drag and drop this above the other layer, because you want it to be the top layer of your video feed. Then you're gonna stretch it out and there you have it. Now, once you're happy with the look here, just remember everything you're seeing here is exactly what the viewers will see. So the next thing you want to do is set up how it's going to send to Facebook. So, thankfully, a genius has come along and created this. So I will link you this as well. And all you need to do is scroll down here, click Broadcast on Facebook Live, and you can either share it on your own timeline or wherever you like. And this gives you the opportunity to share it on your page, share it in a group, share it wherever you like. Now, the next thing I'm going to do is hit Next. Now, for the sake of this, I'm going to just write test up here and whatever the video is going to be saved as, tutorial. Then you're going to copy the server URL, head into here, click paste and do the same for the string key. Your string key will be visible to you but unfortunately I can't show you mine. And then you're going to hit OK. So once that's ready to go, all you're going to do is hit Start Streaming. Are you sure? Yes, I am. And once that's done, it'll take a while for this to load as well. So just be patient and let this load. And there you have it. So you can see me. You can see exactly what I see on my other screen. Let's just do a comparison for the sake of this so you can see it. There you go. Exactly what I'm seeing there is what I'm seeing there. There is a site lag, but it all depends on your settings. Now, once you have that done, all you need to go ahead and do is click go live. Now, the way I do this is obviously you wanna keep that one friends or public, whatever you like, but I'm just going to, for the sake of this, go live privately. And then I'll hit that and everything disappears so you are ready to be going live and then i'll hit through my facebook go into my profile and view activity log and that is the way that i can see where i am so i'm just going to click on that and there i am i'm live and i can read the comments see the likes, and all the rest of it and there you have it hopefully that has taught you so much um I when I discovered this I was like I can't wait to share it with everyone I know I do beauty videos usually and all the rest of it but I'm like this is worth a shout out you guys need to know this I know the camera quality is nowhere near as good as what I usually work with but it is great for this instant and if you do have a whatever it is whatever webcam that's even better awesome just Go in there like I showed you, hit that, and you should be fine. I really hope this helped you out. If there is any question, just leave it in the comment section below. I would really, really, really appreciate it if you guys hit that like and subscribe button because you know how much I love seeing those notifications on my phone. Um, and that's about it, really. I love you all, and I'll see you soon. Bye.
4: If your moderate to severe ulcerative colitis or Crohn symptoms are holding you back and your current treatment hasn't worked well enough, it may be time for a change. Ask your doctor about Antibio, the only biologic developed and approved just for UC and Crohn's. Antibio works at the site of inflammation in the GI tract and is clinically proven to help many patients. <laughs> Today I'm going to show you how to customize the frame of your BeLive TV stream by adding a logo. Stay tuned, it's another BeLive tutorial. Hey everyone, welcome back to the channel. I'm Owen Video for BeLive.TV, the online platform for streaming live onto Facebook from desktop or mobile. Be sure to subscribe to the channel now for weekly tips and tutorials on how live streaming for Facebook works. With BeLive.TV, you can really increase the value of your Facebook live streams. You can bring in a guest. You can bring in up to three people. You can even pop up your comments here. With BeLive, you have a ton of great features. You can even add a custom logo to your frame to really emphasize your company. I'm going to show you exactly how we do that in a few simple steps, but first, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. So I wanna ask you this question, and please, I'd love for you to answer in the comment section below. What's the story behind your logo? Every company, every show has a story about the logo, and we'd love to know yours. So we'd love to hear from you in the comments section below. Okay, let's get started. The first thing you need to do is log into your BeLive.TV account, and if you don't have one, you can get a free trial by using the link that's in the description box below. The custom logo appears in the upper right-hand corner of your frame when you're live streaming with BeLive. You can choose to turn this on or turn this off when you set up your broadcast. Let's do that now. We'll set this up as a talk show. When you get down to the bottom, you'll click add your branding. That opens up the broadcasting pop-up and you can see we've got three options, the logo, which we'll walk through now, the brand colors and design frames. We'll cover those in another video. You can see here that I've already uploaded my own logo for the three shows that we do per week with BeLive.TV. I can add another logo by simply pressing the plus sign here and selecting my file. Remember to keep your format 150 by 150 pixels in a transparent PNG for best results. I'll select my logo, and it will appear in the upper right-hand corner of this practice frame. This is helpful in understanding how your show will look online. When you've selected your logo, you'll click Save Branding. Then you'll click Create Broadcast. Now I'm in the broadcast room, and you can see my logo appears in the upper right-hand corner, and it looks fantastic. Keep in mind, once you've added your logo, you cannot remove it. You would have to set up a separate broadcast. Let's go ahead and set up the broadcast section so we can see how the logo looks in two- and three-person scenarios. To do that, I've brought in my camera and a couple slides so we can play around with the formatting. Here's what the logo looks like in a two-person scenario. Notice that if I move a little bit higher up here, the logo can cover my face. So be aware of your spacing. As we bring in a third, you can see the logo start to intrude a little bit on me right here, but it's really no big deal. Let's run through the different BeLive framings and take a look at how this logo will look. And, of course, you can always reorganize the placement of your broadcast area to make the logo work better for your broadcast. So go add your logo and start branding your BeLive streams. It's as simple as that. Remember, if you have questions on any of this stuff, you can simply ask us in the comment area. We'd be happy to respond to you. You can even tweet us on Twitter. If you want to learn more about how to maximize BeLive.TV to increase the value of your Facebook live streams, check out the playlist here. And if you want to watch some small business video marketing tips, be sure to check out my channel here. That's going to do it for us today. I'm Owen with BeLive.TV. And remember, keep dreaming, keep streaming.
1: So the job of the writer is not to
4: supply the ideas, it is to be patient.
0: Hey boss, this is Nina. Um, this video is all about how to create a Facebook, um, how to use the Facebook Creators Live Creator Kit. The Facebook Creators Live Creator Kit actually helps you add things like this little border up here and down there. You could add your own emojis and stickers, you could add your logos. So I'm gonna show you how to do that in this quick video. I don't use Facebook Live as much as I used to, so this isn't a feature that I'll be using, but wanted to record this video because a bunch of people have asked about it. So let's go. First of all, let me just show you a couple of tricks. So in order to get to the um, settings for your personal page, um, in your video settings, the easiest way to do that is to find any video on, new, excuse me, on Facebook, click on the gear and click on more settings. That's the quickest way to get to your video. However, if you want to do it the long way, or for those of you that just want to know where it's located, you can go up to your right hand corner and click on the drop down arrow. You can go down to settings, and then you're going to click on video. Okay, just a couple of things. This is where you set your entire video settings. So, your default quality of your video, if you want to change that, whether they autoplay or wait for you, there's a couple of guidelines here. And also if your captions are on by default, I turn mine on on default because I usually watch this when I'm in bed and I don't want to disturb anyone in the room. Um, And you can go ahead and click on edit and you can set your colors. I have mine as pink and black. This is the colors for your captions that are displayed. All right, let's jump into the live creator kit. So your live creator kit is where you have to create all of these elements for your live stream. I'm going to go ahead and click on create, okay going to ask you who you're continuing as um, because I do have a Facebook creator's um, business page as well or business account. So here I'm going to upload art. This one's going to be from my personal page. So I'm going to go ahead and put Socially Nina here. Oh, i can put some box I'm going to go ahead and put Socially Nina. One thing I've noticed is if it's at the bottom. It gets kind of drowned out. So, um, I'm gonna put it at the top. This is where it usually says live. So I'm gonna put it at the top right, right? Using in the middle to say, you know, live, going live. Um, keep in mind that your videos on live stream are all gonna, they're going to be in portrait mode. So you can go up to the top here and you can see the different formats. It looks like I need to bring this down just a little bit and over just a little bit. You can resize it. If you have multiple items, so maybe you have a black box or some tinted something or other, or something fancy. You can, um, there's different layers, just like in Canva or or anything else. Um, you can go through and kind of use this to um, edit. Okay, so now that my frame is done, um, look at the preview here, right? I can move to next, and you can upload your intro video. I don't really have an intro video, but I did record something really, really quick on my- use for this training. So I'm just going to double click. This was like no makeup, no nothing. Um, keep in mind that you can have your intro video be up to 180 seconds, but they suggest that it's under 90 seconds. You don't want to lose your audience in an intro. So make this exciting. Mine is just the video of me talking. If that's what you're going to do, you can just use that on your live stream. I would make this an, a video that you actually create. Have a video creator or content creator create something for you, or even go over to Fiverr and create something exciting, but you want to keep them involved. If it's over 90 seconds, you'll get like this little yellow triangle indicating, you know, they're kind of telling you, hey, keep it down, it's too long. Um, You can also upload an outro video, which I'm not going to do. Your outro may be your call to action. Mm -hmm. Notice that your outro is actually, they're suggesting that it should be shorter. So it can't be longer than 60 seconds and they recommend that it's under 30 seconds. Okay, so keep that in mind. Also keep in mind that I did this um, portrait in portrait mode, not the landscape mode that you usually do your YouTube videos in. Ah, it says that it's in landscape. I did not use landscape unless I uploaded the wrong video. This is really interesting because I did not do landscape mode, but... um, I'll see if there's another video I can upload. For now, we'll just keep it like this. I have tried this before with other videos, so it does work. I'm going to go ahead and click on Upload Live Stickers. Now, for your live stickers, you can have up to five. And these are like, you know, when you do the hearts or emojis or angry face or whatever, the sad face. You can actually upload your own. So I would do just a couple different ones. These are logos for my um, brand. So maybe I would do this then this then that one but keep in mind it has to be 256 by 256 and you can upload up to five of them so 256 by 256 up to five stickers okay i'm just going to do one by for now i will include a video later um in the link um or in the description link in the description box with a link to a video on how you create your um your emojis or your stickers. It's really a favicon. So we have a favicon for your site, you can use that. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and take a look at everything. So this is a little bit below the count. So this is actually pretty good. I would leave this there. Maybe move it down just a little bit. Again, you can put this at the bottom if you want. Um, your custom sticker is right here, so people can see your stickers. All all five of them will show up here when you need them. And this, look at the intro video. Yep, as you can see, that's in portrait mode, so I was correct, Facebook, we you were wrong. Um, the intro video, you can, and stickers, and then also your outro video, if you add that, after you submit it, that's about it. You're pretty much done with setting it up, and you can go live, and you can try it. Thank <laughs> you.